This is Bo Buchanan, Arizona Lodge Number 2, and I'm here speaking on the level with Chadwick Burns. You already screwed it up. Screwed right up right. What's it's that? Burke. Burke. Right out the gate, you screwed it up. <laughs> All right, this interview's over. You got me so uh, nervous. Nobody this interview's over. nervous, Chadwick. Okay. This interview's over. Chadwick okay. Burks. There you go. And uh, I'm speaking on the level with Chadwick Burks. Chad, tell me the, your full name, the name of your home blue lodge, and any offices and titles you have connected to that lodge. Well, the name's definitely not Chadwick Burns, as you know. It's Chadwick Burks. But uh, my, I, I guess you would say my home blue lodge uh, in Arizona would be Sun City 72. I'm a two-time past master of that lodge. I'm also a member of Phoenicia 58. But I was raised, believe it or not, in Alhambra Lodge number 322 in Alhambra, California. Oh, wow. Even though I spent a very, very short period of time there, that's where I was raised. And what year were you raised? Oh, heck. Probably 2000, maybe. 2000. And it's been a while. 2000, 2001, something like that. You were there a short time. How long were you there, yeah. and when did you move to Arizona? Um, I moved to Arizona literally, oh, heck couple months after I was raised oh, wow. so so just by pure coincidence the way everything went I spent a lot of time getting into that lodge and then I finally get raised and I had to move and I, I moved to Arizona and I was a member of Scottsdale 43 for a while and then uh, ended up moving to the west side and and joined Sun City 72. So tell me I like to go back to the beginning of masonry for you do you remember the first time you heard of this thing called Freemasonry? Well, I do, and it's uh, it's actually a little bizarre. So, do you want to get into the I real, yeah, the real mystical, stuff. the mystical stuff? And this is the story I tell no one because they think I'm crazy if I tell you it. Tell me, I'm going to eat some carrot cake while you talk. Well, about it. well yeah, I wish I wish I had some too, but I can't eat and talk at the same time. But, um, and this this is a true story. I think I've only shared this with a couple of my family members actually. So you you should be very lucky to to hear this and actually to speak with me. But. Um, how I got into masonry was I actually had a dream, believe it or not, had a dream, and it was from my grandfather. And my grandfather's passed away, of course, but, um, and he told me that I needed to go investigate masonry. And I Shut up. I, I promise you. And I didn't know anything about Freemasonry. How old were you then this time? Uh, this is when I was, I was well, right before I became a mason. I was in my 20s, right? In the 90s, in the late 90s. Uh, yeah, late 90s, correct, yeah. So, uh, and, and I had a dream that I needed to check out Freemasonry. And you must understand, my grandfather died. He, he's actually was murdered, actually. He was, he was killed in a robbery, believe it or not. And um, so I, I was very, very young. So I have very vague memories of my grandfather. I do remember him, but I, I was very young. So there, there are very few memories. And I had no idea he was a Mason. Um, I never had dreams about him ever because they're so, you know, I, I knew him for such a short period of time. But again, I'm in my 20s and I have a dream from him telling me that I need to go investigate Freemasonry. I need to be a Mason. And at that point in time, I didn't know what Masonry was at all. Was. You know, this is the 90s. We The internet was still this infancy. We didn't have this national treasure. We had none of this stuff, right? <laughs> so I didn't know what it was. But I knew there was a Masonic Lodge that was real close to me. I actually walked to the Masonic Lodge from You've my... From the symbol, probably. Correct, correct. I had walked to the Masonic Lodge from my, my apartment, and I walked in there, and of course the secretary was in there, and he was like 300 years old, and, <laughs> and, and I said, I said, this might sound crazy. I don't know what you guys are. I don't know what you guys do, but I had a dream. My grandfather told me I needed to be, be a Mason, and he goes, no, it's not crazy at all. So we started talking, and, and it went from there. And I didn't even know he was a Mason. 
after I looked into it and became a Mason, I went back and did the research and found out uh, he was actually 32nd degree Scottish Rite Mason. Wow. And he was in Demolay as well, and I, I had I had no idea. No idea. Yeah. And what about your father? There was no there was a skip in the generations there, obviously. Huh? Yeah, my father was in Demolay, but that was it. He never talked about masonry or anything. Um, he was in Demolay, but that probably just was a result of his father being, you know, in, in masonry. And uh, actually, one of my brothers has my grandfather's ring. He won't part with it. He has a 32nd degree Scottish Rite ring, and he won't give it to me. And he's not even a Mason, but he still won't give it to me. <laughs> I'm like, come on, I'm the Mason here. Aww. But now, now. So that was uh, so that's a very interesting story, and I've never told that to anyone except a family member because people would look at you like you're crazy. But we in the fraternity, it, it would make sense. So uh, literally, you had that dream. Did you like wake up the next day? How long was the time frame before you went? Uh, within a couple of days. I mean, as, as soon as soon as I could could get off work and go, I, I went on. Uh, I think I had the dream like on a Thursday, and I, I went that Saturday. That Saturday, just by pure coincidence, they had a. Um, they were doing something to honor the firefighters. So it said, open lodge, public welcome. So I'm like, all right, because I didn't know what it was. So that was my chance to go in. And I, apparently I went in right when it started because there was like no one was in there except the secretary. And they, they weren't really starting the thing for like another hour. So did I, you, did, was that it? You started and boom, went down the path and you didn't stop? Well, I went down the path. Uh, it was a long path because this particular lodge, I don't know if you know California, but Alhambra, no. California is not a huge city. And in particular, this was an older lodge, and I didn't know it. So um, I'm one of those guys that's a little different than you hear see today. High energy is how I would well, say. Well, I'm just saying, it took me a long time to go through the degrees, and that was not from any fault of my own. It was from the fact that they hadn't done a degree in two or three years. <laughs> so literally, and they even told me this, literally, I would do my degree, and then they would have, we would wait two, three, four months for them to learn the next degree. Yeah, to get to get the cast together to do the next degree. Um, and I know you want a good stories, right? So this is a story for you. Uh, most people don't know what a cipher is these days. But when I was going through in California, we had a cipher, and basically a cipher is a book. It looks just like a regular book, but everything's in code, so you can't read. Hiding or hair of it if, if you're not a Mason. And in fact, 99% of Masons can't read it either because it's the all the ritual, but it'll have one letter represents an entire word. And some common words are represented by only symbols. So the California one is super gibberish, and I still have it. So when I had to learn all of my stuff, which people don't do this anymore, well, I mean, some lodges do, but most don't. Um, I had to sit there with a coach, and he had to he had to go through word by word in the cipher and explain things to me, and I had to memorize it. Got to memorize it, so and, you know it. And so, anytime I couldn't had something wrong or something, I had to talk to a coach or another member. There's no other way to know it. So, for me to move to the next degree, I had to know all the catechism plus plus the entire obligation for all three degrees wow. in order to move up. So when I became master, it was like, I already knew the obligation. <laughs> and I was like, nothing. It was easy peasy. But uh, and also, How long did it take to do three oh, It probably took, I don't know, it probably took at least three months between each degree. And I already knew my stuff because what I did is they would make you go to lodge. Another neat thing, too, is at California at that time, they only opened lodge on the third degree. So I sat outside with a Tyler for nine months, seven, eight, nine months. And I had to come and show up, and I just sat with the Tyler outside because you could not go into Lodge unless you're a Master Mason. And well, the only time I got to go to Lodge, I would go into Lodge, recite the Catechism, and then recite 
the obligation, and then I left, and that's where they determined if I had met the proficiency to, to to advance on. So, you know, I learned a lot of stuff, a lot of information sitting with the Tyler, and it was very very interesting. But um, you, know, you you lose a lot without having the the cipher these days. You really do. And yeah, it's hard, and yeah, it's tough, but. But I still retain it right now. I can still pop off the obligations to you like that because I was forced to learn them. And, and I'm glad that I did. I'm glad that I did. So tell me a little bit about uh, the process when you moved to Arizona. A lot of, not a lot of people change, state, change states after they become a Mason. Like, I mm-hmm. came here from Illinois, and I didn't become a Mason until I came here. Uh-huh. So there's got to be, tell me what that process was like. How did you find a new lodge? How did you make the transfer? Well, I can tell you Arizona is a lot more lax, but I, I mean that in a good way, not in a bad way. Uh, a lot more welcoming, a lot more friendly, a lot more laid back. Um, I went to several lodges in California, and a lot of those lodges were very serious. And I was a member of the Scottish Rite in California, even though for a brief time, um, and it was far more serious than it is here. And I don't mean serious in the work they do. I mean a lot more guarded. And it was it was just guarded out of a, how do you say this in a nice way, more out of a sense of pride than out of a sense of necessity. So what I really enjoyed was coming to Arizona. It was so much more welcoming, so much more friendly. It was... I fit right in, you know, I just, I fit right in without any problems, and I was very nervous, because I was, I was a young Mason, I was a new Mason, and now I'm changing states. Still in your 20s? Yeah, yeah, and I'm still changing states, and going into a brand new place, and I'm barely wet behind the ears, and now I gotta go find a new lodge, you know, everyone I knew, all my security blankets were gone. My Tyler, that I like lived with for a year, (laughs) was gone, so I just had to come in, and and just dive right in, and uh, it was very, it was very, very friendly. I started out at Scottsdale Lodge, as I said, because it was, it was very close to where I lived, and they were, they were a great, wonderful group of guys there, and I really enjoyed it. Um, Scottsdale Lodge has grown a hundredfold since those days. Now they're just a huge powerhouse in the in the state. But during those times, it was a lot more smaller, a lot more intimate, and. Uh, Really nice guys. I really enjoyed that. And you ended up moving across town, you said, mm-hmm. and you ended up going to Sun City? Sun City Lodge, yes. And I, through whatever hook or crook happened there, I ended up being master of that lodge. I was elected master. And then uh, the following year, I was elected master again. And the funny thing is, it wasn't one of those deals where it's just like, oh, we need the master again. Yeah, he's it. I had opposition, and I still won. So, like, I'm very proud of that second oh, wow. year. And I, I beat a pretty formidable guy. I'm not going to say who it is, but if I told you the name, you'd go, holy crap, you beat that guy in an election? <laughs> <laughs> really, and I, and I did. But we, we really we really did a lot in that lodge. That That's kind of when we turned Sun City around. And so I, tell me, what I, usually what I ask uh, worshipful masters to tell me about what their theme was when they were worshipful master, what their goals were, their programs were. Tell me a little bit about what was your year about when your first year as worshipful master there, what were you, what were you doing? Well, the whole thing that I tried to do, which I would say the lodge in general, we just, we, we turned the lodge around. We, we took it from being a lodge of uh, where old people came to die to a lodge where people came to do stuff. We had activities. We had tons and tons of events. We had fundraisers. We went from something to where they were scrambling to get officers to where we did something every week. We did something a minimum two or three times a month. We were in parades. We uh, bought a popcorn machine and had popcorn. I mean, seriously, just stupid things like that. <laughs> but, but everyone loved it. And we started having dinners. We remodeled our kitchen. We redid the dining room. And all of those things ended up being 
you are working out very well because we host the Scots War- Scottish Rights Awards. We host things well all over from all over the state now yeah. because of those little stupid things like that. But we went from a lodge that had a handful of attendants to getting the master architect in one year. And we did that two years in a row when I was wow. master. And I don't know exactly the stats then, since then, but the, I'm sure we've had more master architects since then, and, and the lodge just really thrives. So it went from a thing where we got new blood as opposed to only sojourners, which is kind of what it was before. So tell me, you, you also became a part of Scottish right here after you moved here, and that's really, that was my first exposure to you is when I came through as a candidate you were the director yeah I'm sorry for that <laughs> it was great no, I loved it I had a blast it was you were a machine man well uh, yeah. tell me a little bit about what your journey has been like here in Scottish Rite and what you've done well Scottish Rite is a whole different animal and it's a very different animal depending on where you're at or where you go um, here in Phoenix under my tenure which was five years I was director of the work I guess uh, recently not I stepped aside to let one of the younger punks take over <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, for five I mean my, my goal was efficiency uh, Scottish Rite I don't know if you know the particulars of this but uh, there's only a few degrees that are mandatory and required and those degrees are, have to be can either be performed or communicated so if you travel around the country there's a lot of other places where you can be a 32nd degree mason by just having the you know director or so to speak read you like six degrees I'm like that's it you're 32nd degree mason and when i first came here they were doing that now they would perform some degrees here and there but there was no regularity so my bright idea was we've got enough people here we're a big enough valley let's do all 32nd degrees all of them and we ended up doing it to where if a candidate started and they went through the entire year they could do all 32nd degrees, all of them, all the degrees, every single one of them. And there's probably, I believe, only four valleys in the country that do that, do all 32nd. Wow. Now, since I left, they're getting lazy again. They're going back. They're, they're not quite doing all of them, or they might do some here or there, whatever. But, but the point is, the Scottish Rite has so many great degrees that are overlooked and no one does them. And you really need to do all 32 in order for it to make the most logical sense. Some of them are super short, even, like 20 minutes. But if you do them in order, it, it makes an incredible amount of sense. And when I went through in, in uh, Los Angeles, let me tell you how bad this was, Scottish right there, they did every degree in order, right? One degree per Friday. Oh, my gosh. If you missed one, you waited till it rolled back around. <gasps> And wow. you want to talk about being a young guy who was trying to have a girlfriend and like, I'm, I'm tied up for the next year of Friday nights. Oh did not go well. Did not go well. <laughs> but I went through, um, they communicated all, they communicated the, the mandatory ones to us so we could attend the meetings. We technically a 32nd degree, but we were just like the bastard stepchildren until we had gone through all of them like everyone else. And I can't tell you how many people would miss one or they were hardcore. You're five minutes late? No. Go home. Oh. And uh, so before I moved, I had... Uh, yeah, I'd be scared here when I lost if you were late, you wouldn't get in. That's so. true, yeah. Yeah, I, I lost probably who would have been my soulmate due to the Scottish Rite and going to those degrees on Friday. Well, I hope it was worth it. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I ask myself that every day, but, you know, we all, we, we all have our cross to bear, right? So, yeah. <laughs> 
So let me go back to when you joined. So you joined, and by the way, we're past five minutes. You thought this would last five minutes. Well, yeah, no, you're, you're kind of a nice you, guy. You joined masonry based on a dream. Kind of crazy. You wake up one day, I'm going to go be a mason. Yeah, it is crazy. Something else kept you going. You, you, you had that dream. You walked in the door. You met some 300-year-old guy. Mm-hmm. And yet here you are. How many years later? No, a 16, 15, 16 uh, years later. Wow, yeah. And you're still here. What keeps you coming? Well, it's definitely not the carrot cake. I can tell you that. <laughs> That's some good carrot cake. No, no, it's definitely not the carrot cake. Although you, you did inhale that like it's rapidly. My cousin, my cousin's mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah my cousin Vinny. Uh, what keeps you coming? You know, the thing is, it's I don't know if if you. I guess the best advice I could give to someone, and you didn't ask for advice, but I'm going to answer that question with advice (laughs) anyway, would be just pay attention, because I guess that's the neatest thing for me. I've heard these rituals hundreds of times. I have, I've done probably in my life as master a first degree probably 50 times without exaggerating, because not only did I do it when I was master, I did it when no one else knew how to do it before I was master, I did it after I was master, so, but the thing is, if you just pay attention, you learn something new and something neat every single time. A word may strike you a tiny bit different this way, the inflection may get you this way, another guy is reading something and he puts a pause here where the other guy didn't have a pause, and you go, wait a minute, this totally makes sense now, right? So I guess what keeps me coming the first thing from an intellectual standpoint is I learn something new all the time. And even through the same old stuff, I, I, I be honest with you, it's human nature. You sit there and you go, oh, really? Okay. I'm going to hear the second degree lecture for the 873rd time in my life right now. But then halfway through it, you go, wait, wait, huh? And you heard that, you go, holy crap, that makes sense now. That makes sense. But now it just clicked and it just, ding, got it, right? So... That's from an intellectual standpoint. If you keep coming, little nuggets of wisdom pop out at you, boom, 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 here and there. But aside from that, obviously the charity stuff is amazing. I really like helping other people, and that's why I'm in so many different Masonic bodies, is to do the good work. But most importantly, it's, it's the people, man. It's, it's, it's the people you meet. Not only, only in Masonry do you have someone that you can have as good friends and amazing people and it, but it's on a whole different level. It's not the guys you're going to go out to the bar and have a drink with. It's not the guys that you see at work and go, hey, man, have a good weekend. It's a completely different level. And you cannot explain it unless you're part of it. And I know that's really weird. People ask me all the time, why are you a Mason? I said, you got to come find out. And they go, no, what? They explain it to me. Uh, you know, do you do all this stuff? Yeah, we do. Do you have degrees? Like, yeah. What is this, all this with a square and compass? Well, Come on. You can't, you have to experience it to understand it. And I have a level of friendship, respect, and camaraderie with my fellow Masons that it goes beyond any other friendship you could ever have. So at the end of the day, even if all the lodges burned down and and we were not technically Masons, this same group of men would still be Masons and would gather out in a field somewhere. And, And I know that to be true. How was how's that for profound? That's a great answer. Well, I don't know, man. I just that's all you get if you ask me. Just come up with something out of the air. You know, these questions are not pre-screened, so I'm doing the best I can. Can you tell me? Here's another one. You're way past talk your about, time, by you, the way. You talk about uh, all these men would get together. Can you tell me? Can you think of a man that, that stands out to you, or a couple men that that hold up the ideals of what we think of as Freemasonry and, and have been a good example for you, or embody those things that we think of as Freemasonry? Historically? No, I mean people you know, people that you've met in the craft. 
Uh, well, I can't call out names. That's, that's, that's Washington. Sorry, you that's not him. Well, Ben Franklin. There you go. But no, I mean, in all seriousness, it's just this is this is what is so great about masonry is the fact that I can't give you that name because I have like a hundred names to give you. So I cannot pull out one person's name because when you told me that and you said not George Washington, first thought Ben Franklin because <laughs> I thought well that's going to be even cooler because he was like such a scoundrel. I love that, but. <laughs> but People I know, a hundred names popped into my head, and I have a hundred different reasons for those people as to why they're great, why they're amazing, and all of those different things. So I think that speaks to masonry more than anything else, because the fact that I cannot narrow it down to one person, I think that's amazing. I, I really do. Um, you know, it would be one thing if you said, oh, yeah, Bill, he's my best buddy in the world, you know, blah, 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 blah. But if I say, you know what, I can name 40 guys that that are right there and I cannot differentiate them I think that's way more of an amazing answer can you, okay let me twist it on you can you tell me some of those qualities <laughs> guys that, that I hate yeah no, sure. no, 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 no. <laughs> some of the qualities that those guys share well I think uh, you know yeah absolutely so one of the things that comes to mind first is integrity and that's something that we are really lacking in this world in general is someone who is not afraid or ashamed to speak their mind and then when they do stand up and they speak their mind they have the balls to back it up and to stand behind it and to say why they think what they think or why they do what they do um, that's really important uh, they tell the truth we have a real problem in this society right now politics and everything else to where honesty is not relevant it's not important to people uh, we live in a, an information age with computers and everything, people are used to hiding behind veils, you know, and that's, that's kind of a Yorkite reference, but hide behind veils of where I can be the biggest bully, jerk, whatever in the world, and I'm anonymous. I have no accountability. Well, masonry is all about being upfront, honest, straight up. You can trust your brother. There is accountability. You can talk to him face to face. And you have no fear of this person ever screwing you over, ever stabbing you in the back. So having someone that's there for you constantly is, is very, very important. Um, I broke, you know, I, I broke my ankle not too long ago. And it's not that big of a deal. I broke my ankle. You know, it's like I'm not in the hospital. I don't have all these other guys that, like, you know, you hear sickness and distress. And they're like, so-and-so has liver cancer or something, right? That's well, I, yeah, I, yeah, I broke my ankle. Big deal. You know, I'm on a good... My phone rang off the hook. I broke my ankle. Chad, do you need anything? What do you need? What do you need? What can I do to help you? And as tempted as I was to go, man, I can't leave the house. I need a cheesecake. Like, it's really bad. Uh, seriously, I really need some pizza. I, I didn't do it, but just it blew my mind for something that trivial that my phone rang off the hook. And that really puts it in your head. Because like, I didn't even tell anyone. I didn't even know how anyone found out. So that really puts it in your brain as to what good people these are, uh, Masons are, and especially in Arizona, that, you know, what's the good quality thing that unites us all? Just character. And character is the one thing we're lacking more than anything in this country right now. And Freemasonry is one of the few things that still preserves that character. It celebrates it. What do you see as the future for Freemasonry? What's well, a good question? It depends on what, how the how if the hipsters are going to rule the world or not. <laughs> um, 
Because that's that's well, I mean that's a, that's a serious direction. I'm just saying. No, let's hope not. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm praying no because I can't grow a beard for crap, so that's not going to work out for me very well. I can pull some flannel off, though. I think that would work. Well, you could. You got the glasses too, so <laughs> you could. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I think the future. Believe it or not, as I think the future for Freemasonry is going to be strong. I believe Freemasonry is going to grow. All these other things predict Freemasonry is going to decline and shrinking. We're going to continue to lose our numbers. I, I disagree. I think the further we move towards insane technology and isolation, I think the true old souls of the world are going to want that personal interaction, that personal touch, and they're going to want to look to arcane things, to look towards the old original knowledge and important things from the past, and they're going to embrace Freemasonry. So the people who think it's going to die out, I think it's going to be embraced uh, more so than ever. I really see a revitalization of Freemasonry within the next 20 years. And I, and, I, and I mean that wholeheartedly. I'm not one of these cheerleaders. I really think that the anti-hipster movement is going to embrace it, whereas the hipster guys think it's cool to look into all that national treasure kind of stuff. I think that their kids are going to say, Dad, you're like a poser, so I know that you're like a fake hipster, so I'm going to be the opposite of you, which actually cares about looking into real stuff. And what that means in plain English is people are going to start embracing traditional values more because the mainstream values are going to go so far off the charts with technology. Well, technology is actually moving us apart rather than bringing us closer together. So right. I agree with you that what's going to happen is people are going to search out that personal connection. Yeah, 20 or 30 years from now, people do not are not going to, well, I don't say 10 years from now, people don't even need humans to have sex anymore. I mean, that's, that's pretty much established reality. If you look in the news and the science right now, okay, people don't, are not going to need any human interaction. There's so many people in the world right now that live, they never leave their house, ever, ever. And you can do it. It's very easy to do. It's called Amazon.com. <laughs> I mean, you never have to leave your house, right? So, so the further that gets along, you're going to have a whole uprising of people that are going to say, this is no way to live, man. So where did we go wrong? And when they look at where did we go wrong, the, they go back to the point where things were right, and that was Freemasonry. So going beyond that 10 years or 20 years, what would you say to either the curious or Freemasons in 100 years? What would you say to those people? I would say that I hope they didn't screw everything up. <laughs> That's the first thing I would say, really. My, by the time capsule, I would say, really, I hope you guys did not screw this up. Because I worked my butt off, and I really hope that this is just not toast right now. But, you know, I would say to them, I would say that, History is important. You have to preserve history. The further we get away from an event, the more skewed it gets, the more baloney it gets, the more interpreted it gets, right? We, we're, we're having a hard time right now interpreting the Constitution, and we're only a few oh hundred, hundred years away from that. We're only yeah. a few hundred years away from that. And we can't interpret that for crap right now. And it had a very clear meaning when it was written. So I would say to them, make sure you preserve the history, and not only preserve the history by the letter, but you have to preserve the spirit of the history. That's what's so important. What did these guys mean when they wrote it? What did they intend it to be? What do they want it to be? What is the, it in its purest essence? And I would hope to God that that's still preserved. Well, that's you know, it's a, a great closing. That's kind of where I was going with these interviews, trying about to grab time. a piece of that in history. Any, anything else you want to say in closing? Uh, not really. I think you should all go uh, try to find a cipher. You can borrow mine and try, try to try to learn your ritual via cipher. It'll, it'll really help uh, 
exercise the brain and uh, you know just be kind to each other be good to each other uh, actually Bill and Ted like be excellent to each other I should say that be excellent to each other <laughs> And um, and and by the way, you're in, if, if I'm like your 91st interview, you're just insane. That's all I can tell you. What is wrong with you? You need to get a life. I need a life. I appreciate your project, but number one, you need a life, and number two, you're pretty good snake oil salesman because you conned me like 28 minutes, and I only gave. I said I'll give you five, so I'll give you credit for that. Ted, thank you very much for taking your time. Hey, my pleasure, brother. Take care.